It's uh, pretty amazing to think that, um, uh, you know, just another year has passed. I think it's uh, just reflecting on all the different things that we did over the past school year, all the different ways that God worked in our lives. Just, um, you know, praise be to God for his faithfulness to us. It's just so encouraging to me whenever I meet with someone and they tell me about just the different ways that they grew throughout the year, to talk about how because of their small group, their small group was so great, and the people around them were so great, they just grew grew so much. And I think um, that's probably the most encouraging thing that we can hear in our church. You know, when people say, you know, I came to college, I wasn't even planning to go to church. I wasn't even planning to find the church. But then I met this person. Um, They were in my uh, Welcome Week group, or they invited me, and somehow ended up here and I you know, grew in my spiritual life. Those testimonies are so encouraging. So uh, thank you to the people that made that video. I know that's not easy to do. Um, and uh, uh, just thankful that we can celebrate the year like that. Now this is a, it's a sad day. No, it's a happy day and a sad day. It's a, it's a happy day because it's Mother's Day. Um, we all uh, owe a lot of things to our mothers, so say happy Mother's Day to your mother if you can, um, and uh, take her out to dinner, uh, flowers, do, do different things. It's also a sad day because uh, after today, many of our students will be leaving campus, and um, will not, will not see you for about three months. So, um, and uh, um, Richard, where are you? Are you here today? We're sitting somewhere. Richard, like we're not going to see him for a long time because this is his last Sunday here with us. And so a lot of sadness today as well. Um, Okay, let me pray. (laughs) No, let me read the psalm. Um, So... Let me read the psalm. We're going to talk about Psalm 127 today. And we'll pray, and then I'll share about, um, just, uh, talk about more things. Uh, let's, uh, let's read together Psalm 127, verse 1. Uh, a song of ascent of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. All right, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can gather together to worship on this Lord's Day. Thank you that we can remember your faithfulness throughout this past academic year, uh, all the way from the beginning of September, Welcome Week, Labor Day, uh, to now, just all the different ways that you've worked in our hearts and our lives to bring us closer to you and to align our lives 
according to your kingdom purposes. Thank you for your faithfulness that we can remember and celebrate that. We pray that you would strengthen us, especially for the students one last time before they leave uh, with your word. And also strengthen mothers uh, on this Mother's Day to continue to be faithful in their calling to be uh, great uh, representations of the gospel uh, in their family life. Just encourage us through your word, strengthen our hearts to be faithful to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay, so through this text, Psalm 127, we're going to be talking about family and parenting. Largely, you know, we'll be talking about family life and parenting today. Um, and so originally I thought about talking about family today on this Sunday because a lot of you will be going back home, and you'll be with your families over the summer, and um, that's part of the reason. Uh, but also, like, we don't really talk about family life from the perspective of parents enough in our church. And that, that's largely because the um, single people outnumber the married people largely in our church. And so we try to, you know, talk about a lot of things that are relevant to students and things like that. We don't talk about uh, probably like marriage and family and parenting enough, um, even though we have, you know, a number of parents and married people in our church. Okay, so a lot of times, you know, when we talk about different things, we relate it to college students. For example, we say things like, oh, this is how you should deal with your roommate. And then now the parents have to kind of like translate that and apply that to themselves. Oh, my spouse is my permanent roommate. So I should love him, I should love her, and forgive them, and things like that. And so they do a lot of translating in their own minds uh, when I preach to, to the younger people, you know? Um, so today's your turn to do translating in your head, right? So when we talk about raising children, you can turn that around and apply that to yourself. Um, you know, like when I raise spiritual children, when I you know, try to be a blessing to people in my small group and raise all these disciples, spiritual children for God and things like that. Or, or, just, or you know, like you can store it for yourself. If God blesses me in that way and gives me children in the future, that's how it's going to apply in my life. Different things like that. Okay. So um, that's what we're going to do today, talk about uh, family and parenting. Um, this psalm starts out by saying it's a song of ascent of Solomon. Um, ascent songs were basically sung by the Israelites when they were on pilgrimage. For example, when they're going to Jerusalem for, for various occasions, and in that pilgrimage, they would sing these songs, these songs of ascent, and this is one of the songs of ascent. And this one in particular, it says, is written by Solomon, uh, David's son, King Solomon, who was the wisest man in the world. Okay, so... Um, so we'll talk about this. First, eating the bread of anxious toil. Eating the bread of anxious toil, from verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Now, obviously, this isn't talking about literally building a house. Uh, he's not saying when you build a house, don't bother to hire a contractor because the Lord has to literally build your house. That's not what it's saying. It's figuratively saying that anything we build, 
is in vain if the Lord's hand is not in it. So, for example, if you're going to use the illustration of building the house, this means that you can hire the most reputable builder to build your house using the most quality materials to build your house. But then a big earthquake can come the very next day after your house is completed and completely destroy your house and you know, make it into a pile of rubble. And there's no builder who can prevent that. So unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. That's true in the case of literally a house or a company, a career, a family, a church. The principle applies to anything we try to build in our lives. Unless the Lord builds it, those who build labor in vain. And then after that, Solomon reminds us that the security, the security of the city isn't dependent on the watchman. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So you can recruit the most trained soldiers and position them in the most strategic places to protect your city, but that will not guarantee the safety of the city. So again, following that house illustration, you can install the most high-tech security system to protect the awesome house that you just built, but that won't prevent, for example, a, a citywide power outage that would allow robbers an opportunity to loot your house. And that's the principle. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Uh, one time this guy picked me up in his car and, uh, and we drove in his car. We got to our destination. And we both got out of the car and we started walking away. And I noticed that he did not lock his car door. Right? So I asked him, why are you not locking your car door? And he said uh, that was a, just a decision that he made. He said he made a prayerful decision Right? He prayed about this, and this is like how he chose to live his life. He said he made a prayerful decision before God not to lock his car door and to just trust God. Um, and, and his reasoning was, it's not ultimately the lock on my car door that's going to protect my belongings inside the car. Ultimately, it's God that's the protector. Okay, so, I mean, whatever. You can think whatever you want about that. So, oh, that's foolish. You're gonna, I'm gonna, I want to know where your car is. I'm gonna, whatever. Right? But he got one thing right. That true security and protection is ultimately from the Lord. So here in verse 1, Solomon is talking about building and protecting. Right? Our work of building or making something and our efforts to maintain and preserve what we, what we built, what we worked for building and protecting. He says, all of it is in vain without the Lord. And now, after verse 1, it seems like Solomon is taking the principle of verse 1 and making it personal in verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So now he applies that principle 
to the person who works to put bread on the table. This person is always working, but he feels like what he's doing is never enough. He's always working, but to him it feels like it's not enough. He starts work extra early in the morning, and he even brings work home. And when he's not doing work, he's worrying about his work because he believes that that's what it takes to accomplish his goal. I have to work, work, work. He's trusting in himself to put bread on his table for himself, for his family. So when he does eat, the, eat at the dinner table, it says it's the bread of anxious toil. This person believes I have to work hard. I have to work harder. And if I work harder, then I can get what I want. But Solomon says it's not working harder that will produce what you want. For he gives to his beloved sleep. So it's actually possible to work less hours, but still have peace in your heart. Have peace in your heart when you're sleeping because you trust the Lord who ultimately provides the bread because you believe your life is in his hands. So Solomon here, he's saying, like, we need to trust the Lord. We need to trust the Lord to provide for us. We need to trust the Lord to take care of us. Trust the Lord to build your house and to protect your city. Put your trust not in yourself, but in the Lord. So we need to ask ourselves this question. Is God, is he the one you're trusting to build your life? Right? As you're studying in school, as you're studying hard for finals, as you're going to work day after day, is God the one that you're trusting to build your life? Is he the source of your security? Or is he just a backup plan? Too often, we labor, we labor, we work, we study, we work hard to build, and then we take measures to protect what we build, and we do that just like everyone else around us. And in our minds, we see God only as, like he's there as an option to lean on if things don't go the way that I originally planned. Like he's a backup plan. Solomon says, trust in the Lord because unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Don't eat the bread of anxious toil. Trust in the Lord. Okay, okay so that's the first thing from verses 1 and 2. Secondly, uh, children are a heritage from the Lord. Now, from verses 3 to 5, uh, it's clear now he's talking about family and children. First, he reminds us in verse 3, from whom our children come and to whom our children belong. It says in verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. He's telling us, where our children come from, whom they come from, and to whom they belong. He says that our children are a blessing, a reward 
from the Lord. So God graciously gives the blessing of children to some parents. But that means that the children don't belong to the parents. They're only entrusted to the parents. That also means that they must be given back to the Lord because they are His. And then he reminds us in verse 4 the purpose for which the children are entrusted to the Lord, uh, to the parents, verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Um, God is sometimes pictured as a warrior in the Old Testament, establishing his spiritual kingdom. And of course, in the New Testament, the kingdom image is prevalent as Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. And that's the picture that we're given here. As arrows in the hand of a warrior, children are arrows that God will use to establish his kingdom. So that's the purpose. God entrusts children to some parents. They don't belong to the parents. They belong to the Lord. But it's for the purpose of raising these children to be arrows in the hand of God to be used by God. Now at this point, many parents probably read this and they're probably thinking, I'm not sure what Solomon's talking about because he's definitely not talking about my kids. My child, all he does is drools, eats and poops, sleeps. Or my child just sits around. All he wants to do is play Fortnite. Definitely not an arrow in any any warrior's hand. So what this means is that our young children are not yet what they are to become. They're often a liability before they become an asset. But that's the very reason why they've been entrusted to the parents. So the way that we view our family has to be in line with God's kingdom purpose. No matter what stage you might be in as parents or as future parents, the question that we have to ask ourselves really is this, am I in line with God's kingdom purpose when it comes to family and parenting? Have I handed my child over to the Lord? Even at early stages, have I handed my child over to the Lord to be used as an instrument for His glory, for His kingdom. That means that we need to hold our family loosely, not tightly, but loosely, ready to let go at the Lord's command. You know, I used to, uh, I used to lead a lot of summer missions teams before CLC, taking college students, like people generally your age, overseas on these mission trips, sometimes to dangerous places. And uh, we would require each member to get a permission slip signed by their parents before they can participate in this missions program. And every year, there would be one or two who couldn't go because their parents wouldn't let them go. And, uh, and you would think that largely those parents are from um, those you know, those cases are from unbelieving families, 
but you'd be surprised. A lot of times it was students with Christian parents that ran into that issue. And uh, these Christian parents would say things like, I don't mind you going to church, I don't mind you getting involved in church, but I don't want you to get too crazy about God. Um, and uh, the idea is that they're afraid that uh, their child might go on a summer mission trip, and then that might lead to other things like, God forbid, a career missionary, like, you know, missionary for the rest of your life. But this verse is saying that that's the very reason why children have been entrusted to parents, so that they can be trained to be arrows in the hand of a warrior. I'm guessing, you know, Jeremy and Renee, who were here last week, I'm guessing that they've committed their children. They'd probably be really happy, right? Their children decided to take that, receive that call to serve God overseas somewhere to do missions work. Let me ask you this. Would you be happy? For those of you who are parents already, would you be happy if God called your child to a life of missionary service? Those of you that might anticipate to be parents in the future sometime, would you be happy if God called your child to a life of missionary service? That means they won't be a doctor or a lawyer or a professor or, you know... It also means they won't live anywhere near you. They won't be your retirement plan in your old age. Will you be happy to hand them over to the Lord? Have you done that? To surrender your child over to the Lord to be used as an instrument for his glory? Um, If I can ask this same question in a different way, What if God chose to take away your child through an incurable sickness? God chose your child, your precious child, and God chose to take that child through sickness because that's just what God ordained. That's the path that he ordained for his kingdom purpose for your child. Now, suppose something like that happened to you, right? Like to your child. Does your Christianity allow for that? So we need to hold our family loosely, ready to let go at the Lord's command because they are His. Our family, our children belong to Him as arrows in the hand of a warrior. Verse 5, Blessed is a man who fills his quiver with them, shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Um, the man or woman could be woman, blesses a man, mother or father, blessed is he or she whose quiver is full, filled with arrows. Children who are living for the Lord. That person is a blessed person, he says. Obviously, this isn't talking about the number of children that he's prescribing that people have, but the blessings that one day will will be ours. 
that will come to us as we see them living for the Lord. Thirdly, lastly, a song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Now, um, again, if we remember what we read in verses 1 and 2, Solomon talked about trusting God in whatever you build, whatever you're trying to protect. You have to trust God because, you know, in, in your own hands, it's in vain. And then what we just read, verses 3 to 5, is about family and children. Don't trust in yourself in building your house, uh, family and children, verse 3 and 5. Now, it seems like these are two disconnected thoughts, but I don't think that's the case. It seems like, rather, that Solomon had family life in mind all along because here in verse 1, the word house, right, unless the Lord builds a house, can mean house, literally a house, or household like your family. So it seems like in that context, because that's what he talks about in verses 3 to 5, it seems like Solomon is, is saying here that we need to trust the Lord to build our homes. That we need to trust the Lord in what he's doing in our children. That our own efforts to build and protect our family life, working hard to put bread on the table, trying to make our family a certain way, is in vain unless the Lord's hand is in it. So it's a call to truly yield our family to the Lord, to truly yield our, our children to the Lord. Because no matter how hard I try, I cannot guarantee anything for my family. So he's telling us to trust the Lord to build your house. And trust the Lord to be the anchor of your family. Um, now I heard, a, I heard a preacher say this. He said, what is worse? Okay, so what, when he says what is worse, I don't know if that was even his exact words, but the idea is like, what is, like who is at more of a disadvantage? Right? Growing up with unbelieving parents or growing up with uh, Christian parents who don't really believe what they say they believe. Who is more at a disadvantage? Now, if you come from an unbelieving home, I mean, you just straight up don't know God, right? Like, God is not part of the picture. You don't know God. I mean, that's not good, but at least you have a clean slate. When someone comes and tells you about God, you have a clean slate about maybe what God is like. But if you grow up in a Christian home with Christian parents who don't really trust the Lord, now you grow up with a warped view of the value of God. That warped view of who God is gets communicated to the children in that home. They see parents who rise up early and go late to rest in vain. They see parents who eat the bread of anxious toil. They see parents who go to church and say they believe in God, but don't actually really live like it. And that's actually one of the very things, one of the very first things I tell people 
when they start dating and getting serious about a relationship heading toward marriage. Um, I tell them, the foundations that you build right now at this stage of your lives is going to be crucial for what you communicate, uh, Lord willing, to the children that the Lord will give you. The values and the foundations that you lay spiritually in your relationship right now will largely determine how your future children will see God and how they value God and what they think of God. So now I think at this point, at this point in the psalm, the listener of this psalm is supposed to be thinking, okay, then, man, I, need, I, really, need to, I really need to change. I really need to get my act together. I need to trust the Lord. I've been building my house in vain, taking efforts into my own hands, trying to sustain and protect and do all these things, but what can I truly guarantee? Unless the Lord builds a house, unless it's completely in His hands, it's in vain. So I need to get my act together. I need to really trust the Lord. But now, what does that mean? Okay, so I need to trust God. Like, you need to trust God with your life, for Him to build your life and your family life and your future, how you're going about your dating relationship and your marriage and your family. Like, you need to trust God. What does that mean? Like, how do I do that? We're told in the beginning of the psalm that this is a song of Solomon, right? Solomon, the wisest man in the world, wrote this psalm. He knew things that, like, we couldn't even begin to imagine because the Lord blessed him with, with wisdom. But Solomon, the wisest man who knew so much even to pen an insightful song like this, this very Solomon made a complete mess of his life. Especially his home life. He made a complete mess of his marriage life. And it was even his son, his very son, Rehoboam, who made this terrible mistake that ended up splitting the kingdom in two. So Solomon probably was not the model father to his children. So Solomon saying these things and then seeing the result of his life, we can conclude that it matters not what you know, but what you do. Solomon knew a lot of things, but ultimately he didn't live it. It's a lot easier, obviously, to say, trust the Lord, like for, from even here, from the pulpit, trust the Lord, and it's a lot harder to actually trust the Lord yourself. So then, how do you do it? Okay, so I know I need to trust the Lord. I got that. Not take matters into my own hands. Trust the Lord. How do you trust the Lord? How do you go from knowing to doing? And that's where our biblical theology fills that gap. Our understanding of the Bible tells us that there's one key ingredient between knowing and doing, and that is 
believing. I know. Okay, so this is what I know. I know that unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. I agree with that. I know that. But now to actually make choices in my life, to depend on God, to make the choice to pray, to live a life of trusting God, to go from knowing that and to actually doing those things, what is that bridge? I have to believe that God is trustworthy. I have to believe that what the Bible says about Jesus is true. I have to believe that Jesus not only died for the forgiveness of my sins, but that God daily transforms my heart to become like Jesus. i got to believe that because that's what the Bible tells me. That He daily empowers me with His resurrection power so that I can live in obedience to His will. And it's that ingredient of believing that enables me to do what I know to be true. Believing in the Word of God. Trusting in His promises. That's what it means to trust the Lord. Oh, I need to trust the Lord more with my life. I take matters into my own hands. That's what it means to trust the Lord. So it's not up to me to do what I cannot do. Oh, man, I need to fix my family life. The way that I view my parents, the way that I'm raising my children. It's not up to me to do what I cannot do, but I can do something. I can surrender my trust to the Lord. I can stop trusting in myself. I can stop not praying. Right? I can stop not going to his word. I can stop trusting in myself and start trusting in the Lord. And that's the bridge. As we know that the builders labor in vain, unless the Lord is in it, how do I live like that? I need to yield my heart and my trust to the Lord and give myself to him, yield myself to him in that way, that he might be the one to build my house. A um, couple of other thoughts. As I mentioned, this is a sad Sunday. Um, there's like, you know, there's like Easter Sunday and there's sad Sunday. This is sad Sunday. Again, because many of our um, students are, will be leaving for the summer won't be with us for, for months. And, uh, you know, at this time, like some people have reservations about the summer months. Right? Um, a lot of times they think like, oh, man, I grew so much during the school year because of a lot of different things. My small group was great. My small group leader was great. Uh, the person who discipled me helped me so much. The community around me encouraged me when I needed them the most but I'm not going to have any of that anymore over the summer. So how can I maintain my spiritual life over the summer months? Or not only maintain, how can I even survive without any of these things around me? And to that I would say, it's true. Like You might not have your small group and this particular community around you. So it's true. It's true that things could be harder. It's possible that things 
could be harder for you spiritually. But I would say God is constant, God is faithful, and He intends, He intends to teach us different things through different circumstances. Sometimes God takes us to the mountaintop. Right? He takes us there intentionally because He wants to show us some things that He wants us to learn there. And mountaintops are great because blessings are so easy to come by in the mountaintop. But sometimes God takes us to the dark valleys because there are things that He wants us to learn in the dark valleys that we cannot learn in the mountaintop. So that's why even if things are harder, when there's darkness and just things are harder, it's not, it's not as easy as, as it was a few months ago. You've got to fight for every drop of blessing, it, it seems like. Even when things feel harder, you've got to persevere. You've got to persevere in your pursuit of God, in your desire for a deeper relationship with God. You've got to continue to seek after Him because God is constantly at work, whether up in the mountaintop or in the valley low. He's still at work in your heart using just different things at different times in your life. He's doing things in your life even when we don't know it. So continue to grow and seek after God throughout the summer. Um, for those of you students that are still in-state but not on campus, um, usually over the summer we try to do something like a, a summer FNL or something like that. We tried it last year, but only the students that were on campus came. Those of you that are in the suburbs did not come. And I don't know why, because there's public transportation available, and there's many people willing to give you rides available. I don't know why you didn't come. Now, we'll make an announcement. If students who are in the cities are willing to come, we'll have one or two or many FNLs over the summer to help you, you, in your spiritual life over the summer. So we'll send out an email and get a survey and feel it out and see if people are going to come. Um, but if, even if you have none of those things available to you, you can still grow in your relationship with God during the summer. Uh, one other thought, I remember... Today's Mother's Day, um, so I was thinking about this. I remember uh, this was this must have been when I was like, like, had to have been like four or five years old, long time ago. One of the earlier memories I have, I remember I was walking some somewhere. No, maybe I was a little older than that. I don't know. I was walking somewhere with my mother, and it was far. At least to me, it felt like it was far. I was a little kid. And uh, they were walking there. It felt like it was taking forever. But on the way there, she said to me, like, oh, if you get tired on the way back, we can take the, we can take the bus back. So we got to the place. Uh, I don't know what it was. We did whatever. And then I was not tired. So I could have walked back. I, 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 I totally remember thinking, I'm not tired. I can walk back. But because she said, if you're tired, we'll take the bus back. 
I whined and whined and whined like crazy, saying, I want to take the bus back. So my mom yielded and took me on the bus. And, you know, I think, like, maybe it had, I don't know what her thinking was. Maybe she would have preferred to walk back. Maybe she was even just trying to save that bus fare. I don't know. But I was thinking, like, okay, so I was thinking about this. Like, why did I do that? Why did I whine? I know I wasn't tired. I could have walked back. Why did I whine? Because I was a child. That's what children do. Children do unreasonable things. I whined when I shouldn't have. Now, um, that's one of my earlier childhood memories. But, but then I was thinking, like, why do I even remember this? Maybe I'll tell my mother about it. I'm planning to take her out to Mother's Day lunch this week. So maybe I'll say, oh, remember that time? She'll be like, no, you were 12. <laughs> Something like that, but I don't know. To me, I was five, four. But why do I even remember this? And like regret it, you know? I think because God wanted me to remember even his character that he was revealing to me even then through my mother. The point is this. Mothers, your job is not easy. Your job is not easy. But receive strength from the Lord as you trust the Lord. Receive strength from the Lord and keep showing your child what God is like. Because those acts of sacrifice, unaware you might be unaware of it, but God is using that in your child's life to reveal himself to them for his glory. Keep being faithful. Keep making those small sacrifices, revealing the character of God. Because that's, those are the very things that God is using to reveal himself to your children. Let's pray together. take a moment and pray um, as we are going through a lot of different things. Some of you still in the midst of finals. Um, some of you anticipating going back home and spending time with family. Some of you thinking about um, looking at this text from the perspective of parents, just thinking about your family, um, that God has entrusted to you, uh, whatever the circumstance may be. I think uh, Solomon is telling us that we need to trust in the Lord with our lives and whatever we're trying to build and maintain, whether it's through our studies, the time and effort that we're putting into our finals, whether it's building our career, and especially as we're trying to build up our family life, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. We're going to learn this lesson one way or another. Um, some of us are going to learn it by trusting in what the Bible says and deciding to yield our trust from ourselves to the Lord. Some of us will continue on 
build that great house. And one day, that tornado will come and we'll learn that those who build it labor in vain. One way or another, uh, God's word will prevail in our lives. Let's choose to trust him today. Let's choose to yield our hearts to him today. Lord, there's nothing that I can build with my own hands apart from your grace, apart from your strength that is at work in me. So help me to depend on you. Help me to trust in you. Even from the stage of an infant, help me to surrender my child to you. For this child belongs to you. Do with this child whatever you wish. And let me play that role, that honorable role of being a, a privileged parent, able to make sacrifices and reveal the very character of God to this child that you want to use in the future. Just take a moment, reflect on these things, and pray. Just surrender our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Thank you for the reminder through your word, through your eternal word that you speak to us, that with our own hands that we can build nothing. That apart from you, apart from remaining in the vine, that we can do nothing. Help us to treasure that word and take it to heart, whether it's uh, trying to build up our lives now or trying to uh, parent a family now. Help us to store it up in our hearts for uh, different ways that you want us to uh, raise a family in the future, whatever it might be. Uh, pray that you'd help us to be people that will believe in the word of God and trust our lives into your hands. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's, uh, we'll sing these songs. We'll sing this song, uh, More Like Jesus. And uh, um, this, is, uh, this, is that, this is that bridge, you know. Um, a lot of times we see the commands and standards in the Bible, and it can feel uh, discouraging or it can feel hopeless. Like it can feel like, oh, this is a standard that I cannot attain. I know better, I know I should be better, I know I should be different, but it feels like it's a standard I cannot attain. Uh, but in between there is that, is that element of faith. Like when I believe in the, the promises of God, in his word, in, in the story of Jesus, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and what he did and what he accomplished and what he's continuing to do in my life, uh, by that promise and by that power he is at work in me to make me more like him and so you know like the song says like uh, less of me more of you right that's that's like surrender language um, that's uh, yielding trust God I'm not going to trust in myself I'm trusting in you it's like that surrender language that we're giving ourselves to the Lord so so let's pray through this song in response and uh, 